government. Um, two kingdoms, two completely different ways to rule in the hearts of his believers, um, in the children of God through the church, and then he rules all of us uh, through the authorities that he's put in place so that we can live as a society. It's called the government. And the two kingdoms, church and government. The problem is each realm functions differently and needs to be uh, considered separately. You have the two kingdoms. You have the kingdom of Christ righteousness, the blood of Christ that makes us pure and forgives our sins. That's the church. It lives by grace. And then you have the kingdom of social righteousness. And of course, that's the government. The laws and the rules of the land. You have the kingdom of God's grace, the church, and the kingdom of justice, the government. So we're citizens of both realms, the citizens of grace and the citizens of obedience to the king and to the nation. Being citizens of both, we're citizens of God's church for all eternity, but citizens of the government only temporarily while we're here on earth yet loyal to both. And how do we do that? What's the purpose of both? Well, Jesus talks about that as we consider today our theme, the doctrine of the two kingdoms. The purpose of the state, the purpose of the government, is to govern our lives so that they can establish our life on earth and protect us and keep us safe from harm. And so that's what the government does. And God gives the government authority. He gives all governments, no matter how evil, authority. In our Old Testament lesson, God was talking to Cyrus, the, the, king, the, the king of Persia. And he says, I give you authority. You don't even know me. But I give you authority. I raise you up. You conquer your enemies. I am God. I am the one that makes it happen. And so he runs governments. He's in control of rulers, no matter how wicked, no matter how evil. He works them for his purpose. So that people can live together in a sinful and fallen world in somewhat of an orderly way. So that we can make a living and so that people can prosper. In order to do this, God has given the state power. God has given the state authority. So that they can establish laws and they can establish ordinances that, that protect and govern us. And that's what Paul writes. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that for, which comes from God. And those authorities exist because they have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the government authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. The government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For the governing authorities do not bear the sword in vain. For the government is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. The government's job is to carry out God's wrath on those who do wrong. So God has given power to the state. God has created the state for that very purpose, to protect the innocent, 
And that's why God has given the government the authority to punish those who are disobedient. It's also why God has given the government the authority to tax us. And God says it's a good thing that we're taxed. Now, you may not love taxes, but we owe money to our government. God says you owe money as Christians to your government because they are providing for you a service. They render to you all kinds of services. They render to you roads and, and schools and, and, and all kinds of uh, water you know, and, and all the other kinds of things that they do. And we owe them, we render them our service. We pay for our service to live in this kingdom that God has given the power. And God says, render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. The government's about justice. The government is about demanding obedience and punishing it if we fail. Now, the purpose of the church is different. You may think the purpose of the church is to give us a bunch of rules to follow, too, because we have the Ten Commandments. But that's not the purpose of the church, is it? The purpose of the church is to get people to heaven, just plain and simple. The purpose of the church is to preach Christ. The purpose of the church is that people might know that through His blood we are saved, and that alone. To proclaim faithfully that Word of God. To baptize people and bring them into God's kingdom. To give the body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. It's all about God's forgiveness. The purpose of the church is, therefore, not to transform society. That's the way some churches see our purpose. That we're supposed to go out there and make the world a better place to live. That's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is not to make you a better husband or a better wife. The purpose of the church is not to make you a better Christian. Indeed, those are all byproducts of being a child of God. But the purpose of the church is to transform sinful hearts through the blood of Jesus Christ. To transform hearts that we might render unto God that which is God's. Give Him our heart and give Him our life and live in His kingdom and live in the kingdom He's given us here on earth. The kingdom of the church is to preach Jesus Christ and His righteousness to the nations so that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son, John wrote, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of the church. Nicodemus told Jesus, or Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. That's the purpose of the church, to be born again through the waters of holy baptism. Jesus said, do not labor for food that will perish, but for food that will last and endure unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Eternal life giving is the purpose of the church. Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Everlasting life is the purpose of the church. It's the gift. And so the purpose of the church is to seek and save that which is lost. And the church doesn't save souls by demanding perfect obedience to the law. 
The church saves souls by giving the perfect obedience of Christ to sinners. By delivering His righteousness to our sinful hearts and ruling there. So we have the two kingdoms, completely different. One ruled by grace, the other ruled by law. Two completely different governing realms. And we're supposed to live in both. So how do we do that? How do we live in obedience to our government and in obedience to God? Well, Paul said that we render unto both what is due them. And of course, that's what Paul meant in the church when he says we're set free from the law. In the kingdom of the church, we're not bound to the law. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnation, no laws that can condemn you. You are now free from the law of God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So the church sets you free. And Jesus says, if you've been set free, you'll be free indeed. Sins forgiven, you're free. Sins forgiven, free to serve Jesus. Free to obey him. And Jesus tells us how to obey him. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Give me your heart. If you love me, give me your life. However, as to the government, we are to be obedient. As to the government, we are under the law, punishable by, by death even. As to the government, following the ways of the land. So what does Jesus expect of us regarding how we live in this world with one another? How does he expect us to live for God and country? He expects us to render under Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. And to render to God the things that belong to God. This means that we are to obey the laws of the land unless they contradict God's word. The government tells us you can't worship. We, di we disobey the government, don't we? Because it contradicts the word of God. So are you a good citizen? Are you a good citizen of the state? Do you pay your taxes? Do you pay them on time? Are you honest and filled with integrity as you fill them out? Do you do ju jury duty when you're called? Do you obey the laws of our land, including the, the traffic laws? Do you show proper respect to our officers, to the police force? Do you honor the president of our nation, whether you agree with him or not? Do you pledge allegiance to the flag of these United States of America? That's an issue today, isn't it? And if you do what the state tells you to do, and if you are obedient and a good citizen, you are rendering unto God that which is God by rendering unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. And not only are we to render to Caesar that which is Caesar's, but we are to render unto God that which is God. And so as God's forgiven children, we give him our heart because that's where he lives. The heart that has been redeemed, the heart that has been forgiven. Christ has loved us and saved us and we give him our heart. Because our hearts have now been set free by the blood of Christ. Set free to serve him. And to render to God 
that which belongs to God. And that's why Jesus has commanded his church, I want you to go, therefore, into all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Church, be doing the kingdom work. Be doing salvation work. And I'm pleased to say that some of the time, you are faithfully doing that. Some of the time, you're diligently striving to, by loving other people. It's amazing to watch the church work. I, it's amazing to watch you reach out to people in need from time to time. It encourages our hearts when people are down and the congregation gathers around and prays and supports and uplifts doing the church work, loving each other the way we've been loved. Some of the time you faithfully demonstrate Christian kindness. You demonstrate forgiveness by forgiving others. But what about the other times? What about the times where you're not so faithful? The times when I'm not so faithful? What about those times when we do hold a grudge? Those times when we refuse to forgive? What about those times when we complain? Well, then God says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. So we repent, don't we? We turn away from such things that are wrong and such things that are evil, and we seek to do his will. As good stewards, God is insistent. He's insistent that we render to him what belongs to him. God is insistent that our lives produce fruit of faith, the fruits of faith. God is insistent that our lives glorify his holy name. He is insistent that we bless God, not only with our deeds, but with our gifts. With our tithes, with our offerings, with our acts of kindness, and with our acts of love. To give God that which is God's. To give Him our heart. And when we do, we become not only hearers of the word, we become doers of the word. Doing the word. But what if I rob God by withholding my offerings? As Malachi said, you rob me in your offerings. What if I just go through the motions of being Christian and I'm a hearer of the word, but I'm not a doer of the word? I listen to God's laws. I listen to his word. I simply don't do it. What then? What, when I, what happens when I fail? Well, as long as you have life and breath, the way of repentance is always open. As long as you have life and breath, God always welcomes you into his kingdom. And he says, turn to me. Come to me. Give me what belongs to me. And thank God that the kingdom of God lives in our hearts. Thank God that the blood of Christ has been shed. Thank God that we are forgiven. Thank God that we've been cleansed through the waters of the holy baptism. And that we are alive in Christ Jesus. And thank God that Jesus saves such sinners like us. Before Martin Luther died, he spoke over and over again, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he saved sinners like me, for God so loved the world that he saved a sinner like me. 
by sending his only begotten son to die for me. And then he said in his last words, we truly are just beggars before God. And we thank God. And he allows us to repent and he allows us to return to him. In 1939, a group of men gave thanks too. They were in a U.S. submarine called the Squalus. The Squalus had sunk to the bottom of the ocean and was helpless, just off the New England coast, 240 feet deep in the water, unresponsive. 30, 26 men had already died as three of the compartments had flooded. 33 men remained alive. The crew sent up smoke flares, hoping that they would be rescued, and they were, and they gave thanks. They were rescued, and they were thankful. Friends of Christ, we've been rescued. We've been rescued from sin, we've been rescued from death, and we're thankful. And living in God's kingdom, as Christ rules in our hearts and his church, as he makes us holy by giving us the, the precious life of his son and making us perfect because Christ is perfect, Jesus has rescued us from sin. He's rescued us from death and we're forgiven. Indeed, what a privilege it is to be called the children of God. What a privilege it is to live in his two kingdoms and to serve God, to be set free, to serve God and to serve country. What a privilege when God rules in our hearts to know God is living in us and through us as we live for one another. We've been forgiven that we might forgive. We've been loved that we might love. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I am he who blots out your transgressions. For my own sake, I will not remember your sins. That's the church. God also says, I will forgive their iniquity, I'll remember their sin no more. What a powerful thing it is when God rules in the lives of his saints. What a powerful thing it is when God rules in the lives of his children. What a powerful thing God has done. That we might render to God that which is God's. So then pray with me as we lift our eyes to heaven. Dear God, you are the light of my life. You are my redeemer, you are my comforter, you are my salvation. You rule in my heart that I might live in your kingdoms. I have the privilege of living in your kingdom because you have made me to be your dear child. I desire to give you my heart, my soul, my body, my mind, and to love you with all my strength. I render to you what you have made me to be in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, both now and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen. Please rise.